Toronto today. The top 50 is out. TSN's top 50 hockey players. Craig J. Button, one of many. I think there's 25 people that, that are in on the voting. Cheryl Pounder was in as well. We talked to her about it yesterday. And Craig J. Button is here now. Mr. Button, how are you today, sir? I am good, Jim, sir. <laughs> okay, we're <laughs> rattling the sabers already. <laughs> Uh, so I'm just I, I hate to spill the beans, but uh, from five to to one on TSN's list, it goes like this: Drysaitel, Kucherov, Matthews, McKinnon, and McDavid. And on your list, it goes McKinnon, Vasilevsky, Matthews, Kucherov, and McDavid. So the biggest changes are Kucherov four on your list, two on on the TSN list, or sorry, uh, two on on the TS. Oh boy, two on your list, four on the TSN list. Okay, I'm dyslexic here. And McKinnon five on your list, and uh, two on uh, their list. So uh, take us through all of this now that I've confused everybody. Well, it, it shouldn't be that confusing. When I submitted my list to the powers that be at TSN, I said, you know what? Tell the other voters that they were included in it, but my list should just be as is. You should just present that as the top 50 because it was accurate, it was logical, and everything that goes with it. So all kidding aside, now you got to ask yourself, am I kidding? <laughs> but so, so, okay, McDavid, he stands alone, right? Yeah. I'm going to give you a little trivia question here, Mr. Taddy. Name Uh-oh. the two players uh, that uh, scored 30 or more points for their respective teams in back-to-back playoff years en route to the Stanley Cup prior to oh. Nikita Kucherov. Oh, boy. You got me on that one. Lemieux and Gretzky. Oh. Kucherov is an elite, elite company. He's won a yeah. hard trophy. He's won a scoring championship led the playoffs in scoring and route to two Stanley Cups. He's number two for me. He produces. McKinnon's a brilliant player. I know that. One thing that he's shown the last couple of playoff years, it gets into the hard areas. It's not a lack of effort, but he hasn't been able to accomplish as much. Do I think he can? Yeah. Do I think he's learning? Yes. But the bottom line is he's been uh, shut down because he's a classic case of trying to do more, but sometimes less is more. I think that he'll learn that. But right now, Kucherov doesn't have to prove that to me. Matthews, an elite goal scorer. Vasilevsky, five straight series-clinching playoff wins with a shutout, including two where he got to raise the Stanley Cup immediately after that. He's the best goalie on the planet, and he's a difference maker. So I love McKinnon. Sorry, you're not in that same category. Well, I mean, you're you're doing heavy leanage on on the uh, on the playoffs, which is fair. I, I I don't have any problem with that. Uh, and I I guess you know we could have 15 different lists here, and and we'd have 15 different debates. Um, you have uh, where do you have Marner? Uh, you have him at uh, Marner 16 on the TSN list. You have him at 20. How did you get there? Well, let me just say this quickly too. So 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 what 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 is this called? The top 50 NHL players? It it doesn't say top 50 regular season players. It doesn't say top 50 preseason players. It says top 50 NHL players. I use all, all, all areas of examination. And what are, you, what are we going to say now? The playoffs don't matter? Really? <laughs> okay, go on that argument. The playoffs matter. Kucherov is delivered. Vasilevsky is delivered. More than McKinnon is delivered. End of rant. Marner? I don't know. I mean, is he 16? Is he 24? Is he 23? He's the first team all-star right wing last year. He was number two on my ballot. I had Ratman in one. Could somebody convince me that he should have been one? Yeah, no problem. I think he's a real complete player. 
and I think that he's a, he's one of the league's best players. So he's 20. But I don't, you know, you start to look at some of the players that I have ahead of him, including Miko Rantanen, Mark Shifley, Patrick Kane, Artemi Panarin, Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, can we make the case that he might be higher than that? Maybe. He sure I could. But that's where he fell for me. And, you know, quite frankly, again, playoffs matter to me, Jim. You can dismiss them all you yeah. want. They matter. No. No, of course. They're, they are the <laughs> defining moment, really. I mean, that's that's where you find your, your true value of anybody is in the playoffs. I, I don't have any argument for that. And I guess, you know, as I said, you can have 15 lists and 15 different debates. So so let's move forward here. Um, Austin Matthews, how does he follow up a Rocket Richard winning season? What do you think he does this year in terms of goal scoring? Well, that, that, I mean, when you start to look at what Austin has done, why don't we just go back from day one, game one of his National Hockey League career? I mean, he, he, he showed right at that moment in time how good he was. He, he, he has done nothing to diminish that belief that he is, right now, the game's best goal scorer. So, you know, like, will he score 60? Will he score 45? You know, what will his goals per game be? We don't know, you know, where, where injuries come in. He, he's an elite goal scorer that has continuously been able to progress in, in his abilities to score in different ways, in multiple ways. And we're talking about a young man who is just 24 years of age. You know, if, if we're starting to talk about entering, you know, some, some prime years, you know, there's no question in my mind that he is, he, if you're asking me today, who's the front runner to win the Rocket Richard, I'm, I'm going to put Austin Matthews at the top of the list because how he does it and uh, the, the proficiency in which he, he does it is, to me right now, you know, does he have an equal? Yeah, maybe one or two, not more than that. And right now I think that he stands at, at the top of that list as goal scorer. So, you know, how, how do you follow it up? You just follow it up by being what you are, and that is an elite goal scorer. Okay, so let's let's put you back in the GM's chair. You have a Rocket Richard winning uh, center. You've got an all-star, first all-star right winger. What is the job description for the left winger on that line? Yeah, you, you, well, you know, we saw what Zach Hyman did and, you, you know, and, and, and described it. You, you know, one of the things is is that, uh, not one of the things, I, I would narrow it down to two things. Number one is, do you understand who you're playing with? I just read a really interesting article uh, about Marilyn Mew, and uh, the best line he said he ever played on was with Kevin Stevens and Rick Tockett, and he said it was fun. And, you know, Scotty Bowman put that line together. He talked about it. Each of the players talked about what they brought to, to the game. The, the one thing that just kept coming through in that, in that piece was Kevin Stevens and Rick Tockett knew what Mario needed. They knew what Mario needed. They knew what Mario needed. The number one thing is you better know what Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner need. <laughs> That's number one. Yeah. So what do they need? You know, when Austin Matthews is open and in a spot, you better get him the puck. When Mitch Marner, when he has the puck, you better be ready to get the puck. So now what does that winger have to do? You know, whether it's Nick Ritchie or whether it's Michael Bunting or, you know, we talk about Zach Hyman in the past, right? Like different players that have played there. It doesn't change. So Nick Ritchie, let's just use Nick Ritchie as an example. Nick Ritchie, in and around the net, you better be ready to put pucks away because you're going to get a lot of good opportunities. Nick Ritchie, 
you know what, you you got size. I'm not telling you to run over people, but you better win battles for the puck one-on-one. And you better understand when you have the puck and if you're not in a good shooting position, get it to the guy that knows how to finish a hell of a lot better than you. Those are the two things that the left-winger needs to know. And, and that when we talk about complementary pieces, Jim, you know, complementary pieces aren't just skill. And I'll give you an example. When Phil Castle got traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins, everybody, oh, he's going to score 60 goals playing with Crosby and Malkin. Oh, really? He had never scored 40. So, like, now he's going to score 60? And everybody makes that leap that because Phil's skilled and he never played with those guys. He didn't play with them very often because he wasn't a complimentary fit for what those guys needed. Keep in mind, the first thing always starts with what do your top players need? And if a player playing on that line, he can have the greatest skill in the world. If he doesn't understand that, it's not a fit. Number one, you better understand what Matthews and Marner need. Because if you don't, I don't care how fast you skate. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how well you uh, 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 pass the puck. If you don't understand what they need, you're not going to fit. Leafs made some moves yesterday. Nick Robertson sent down to the Marlies. What was your take on his camp? You know what, Jim? I'm going bigger here. It's not about the camp. I'm disappointed in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Remember, remember last year in December what happened with Nick Robertson? Oh no, he can't go to the World Junior team. He can't go and play at the World Juniors. You know, he he's past that. Oh really? So Nick Robertson misses out on an opportunity to compete in a best on best competition, and you know the Leafs. You know he ended up getting hurt, and you know didn't have a real big piece of it. Now he's in the minors. Really? You needed to keep him out of the World Junior last year? You really did, did you? I'm disappointed in Toronto Maple Leafs. I'll never be disappointed in Nick Robertson. I think he's a terrific prospect. Just because you're in the minors today doesn't mean that's where you're going to end up. And I think that he's got a bright future in front of him, and I think he'll realize that. may not be ready right now. I want my disappointment to be very well expressed. And it's in the Toronto Maple Leafs' decision not to allow him to go to the World Junior last year. So, so when he's on the Marlies, I mean, what does he have to do in terms of his game? What does he have to work on to to, to raise an eyebrow or two? You, you, Jim, I'm not trying to say this in a in a way. He scored 50 plus goals in the Ontario Hockey League. He's an elite goal scorer. He's a top offensive player. Just because you have that, you know, I don't think it's so much about what he. I mean, do what you do best. Do, do, yeah. do the things that you do best. And, you know, with it's going to come physical maturity. Keep in mind, Nick just turned, uh, you know, 20. He just turned 20. He's a September 11th birthday. And, you know, you look at, at, at him. So the physical maturity, being able to handle the challenges, the rigors, the day in, the day out, right? But, but just keep this in mind, Jim. You know, a, 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 a very, very successful player, a player that was proficient in, in junior. Came in, you know, at, during, the, during the lockout, uh, not the lockout, when the pandemic began, you know, the season got shut down. He joined the Leafs, played in that, played in that return to play against Columbus. Quitted himself quite well, right? But one of yep. the things, and this is why I'm so disappointed in the Leafs' decision last year about the World Junior, and I expressed it at the time. So this isn't revisionist history. So, you know, he, he's now gone a year or longer than a year, without experiencing significant success. Goal scorers, players need to feel that, they, that, that they've had success. There's a huge difference between 
thinking you can and knowing you can. So get down and play. He's going to go do that. I have no doubt about Nick going and doing that. He's going to go and do that. He's going to go and play. Now let him grow. Let him have that success so that he understands that he doesn't think he can. He knows he can. And when you go, the longer you go without having success, you start to you, you start to doubt yourself. Make no mistake about it. Uh, let's uh, sort of slide over to the Jack Eichel situation. Dreg's reporting that interested teams have been given additional access to his medical files, and the Sabres are hoping a deal can be worked out soon. Uh, what, this is such a precarious situation because we're talking about an injured asset that then has to be treated or have surgery and then has to rehab. I mean, there's a long window here. What is the best fit for him, do you think? The best fit? right now for, for Jack Eichel, he just failed his physical gem. What team is going to trade for him? He's got $50 million on the books, okay, owed to him. Okay, we know what he is as a healthy player, but he, he has this, uh, this injury, failed the physical, hasn't been able to play. There's, there's dispute on how he, what, what procedure is best for him, right? Like, so a team is going to trade for a player with a $50 million obligation, and they're going to have to give up significant uh, 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 players, prospects, or draft picks to get them? I mean, I mean that's what Buffalo said. I, I keep hearing the reporting that Buffalo's ask is pretty significant, and other general managers are talking about, oh, my, oh, my, like that's a pretty significant ask. They think it's exorbitant. And now because they have access to the medical records, they're going to pay the exorbitant price? I don't think so, Jim. I think until Jack Eichel gets healthy and playing, unless the Buffalo Sabres are ready to take on some, some monetary responsibility and ask for a lot less, until Jack Eichel gets back playing, I don't see a lot of teams interested in trading him for Buffalo's asking price and with the obligation financially owed to Jack Eichel. Totally with you on that one. It's a, just a weird situation to say the least. Let, let's close on this one. Uh, Brady Kachuk in in Ottawa. You know he wants, according to reports, a bridge deal. They want a long term deal. You know what is the compromise, or is there one? There may not be one, Jim. I mean, one of the things when you look around the league and you look at the precedents. I mean, his older brother Matthew signed a bridge deal. Uh, Elias Pettersson signed a bridge deal. Uh, Zach Wierenski signed a bridge deal. Uh, Matthew Barzell signed a bridge deal. Uh, you, you know, you have, you have deals like Kaprizov signed, Matthew signed. I mean, those were five-year deals. So while, while the team has a desire to lock them up long-term and the uh, player wants a bridge deal, you know, there's, there's a lot of elements that go into that. Why does the player want a bridge deal? Well, I mean, maybe he's not – you know, with the cap and understanding what revenues are going to be in the future, you know, you, you want to protect yourself. You don't want to, you don't want to undersell your value. So you want to see what it's at. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not dumb enough. I mean, uh, despite some people telling me I'm dumb, I'm not dumb enough to not think that Matthew Kachuk wants can, or not Brady wants control over his career. And he may not want to stay in Ottawa long-term Ottawa senators fans don't want to hear that, but that's where you get to, uh, a stalemate. So, but the parameters are there for a short-term deal. They're there for a long-term deal. The player right now is sitting down, going, "Okay, you know, I, I don't want a long-term deal." The Senators are saying we do try to make sure that they have certainty with them longer term that they don't lose a player they drafted fourth overall and really value. But 
you know, now as, as the days roll on and Brady isn't playing and, you know, without playing, you're not getting paid. And, you know, where does the, where does the pressure points come? But I think that that's where it's at. I mean, I, I, quite frankly, I mean, if, I, I don't see the, the Senators might want an eight-year deal unless they're going to pay him significant dollars on an eight-year deal. I'm talking significant, and, and it starts over 10. I don't see Brady Kachuk ready to go, go, go that path to, to, to commit. So uh, the Senators and, the, and, the, and the Brady Kachuk camp are going to have to ascertain what's best because the Senators, you know, they can play hardball. Brady can play hardball. Neither one of them are gaining, and sometimes the compromise has to just be, okay, we're going to do a three-year deal. You know, I don't think you're going to do a four-year deal. Could you get to a five-year deal? Eight-year deals I don't see happening. Four-year deal I don't see happening. Maybe a five-year deal is something that could work. Plenty to talk about. Craig, thanks very much. Really appreciate it.